should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull****. It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome. It is Monday. It is Monday, June 13th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host, and I didn't want to do this show today. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to face the world. I am devastated with complete, utter sadness, um, angry, and, uh, you know, all those things that I think we're all feeling. And yes, of course, I'm referring to the terror attack that occurred in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub, a gay nightclub. And as we're hearing from the news, who are now identifying those who have been murdered, we're seeing that a lot of those who had been murdered are, in fact, Latino. So I want to make sure that I identify um, the victims correctly. And when I talk about the attack, this is an attack on American democracy. This is an attack on the LGBTQI community. This is an attack on the Latino community. This is it's just been horrible. It's been a nightmare uh, 24 hour period for us here in especially, uh, you know, as far as the LGBTQI community. So so thank you for joining me here on the Progressive Voices Network, because at the end of the day when I woke up or I shouldn't even say at the end of the day, it was like I woke up this morning. I was like, I cannot not do this program and I will not let fear. I will not let hate keep me from being visible. And talking about talking about equal rights. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with our program. We're going to check in with two voices um, and, and, and writers, uh, actually, of the LGBTQI community who've been reporting on the attack. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Before we get started, I want to give a moment of silence to those who have been affected, those that we have lost in Orlando, and, uh, of course, to the families uh, and their loss. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our guest today is our good friend, Zach, Zach Ford, who's with Think Progress, and he's the LGBTQI editor. Zach, welcome to the program. Hey, it's uh, good to be here. I, I mean, it's good to talk to you, Michelle, but... Uh, not a good reason to be here. Yeah, no, I know. And, and and usually I open up the show with Happy Monday or Happy Tuesday, and it's not. It's just no. not. Um, no. But at the same time, you know, what has been comforting is being with the community, being with those uh, who, um, you know, are part of us. And so hearing your voice actually makes me feel really good. So thank you. I'm, I'm glad. And, and I would say likewise, you know, uh, we had our big Pride Festival in D.C. yesterday, and uh, I went out and spent six hours standing near the metro station out, right outside the festival, uh, just giving hugs to people. Uh, and I'd like to say that it was 
entirely a charitable act, uh, something that I was doing just to help other people, but it was just as much a selfish act because I needed every one of those hugs uh, from every one of those strangers and friends that I, I saw at Pride, uh, and I still don't think I've gotten enough of them. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. Um, what's interesting was I, I was following you on your social media, and you know, before the attack, it's, it, it's like a it, it's Pride season, so there's a lot of Pride events happening throughout this month and, and in the next uh, couple months, in fact. And so sometimes it could feel a little overwhelming by the amount of invitations that you get to go out and, and sell celebrate and 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 I think that you had even mentioned that y- you know you may not have wanted to participate in pride but then the terror the attack happened and I was so happy that you went out there because it was necessary wasn't it it was I mean there were a lot of people that I think had hesitation um, because I think they worried that if they went to something that was celebrational. They went to something where there were tchotchkes and fried food and drag queens and, you know, other concert performers that they would somehow be betraying the grief that they're feeling, that they would somehow, uh, you know, be skipping over or suppressing something that they really need to feel, something that's not going to go away very quickly. Um, But I think they all realized you know, whether it was because of the need to be around community or even a feeling of defiance of saying, I will not be afraid, I will not let this terror uh, keep me from connecting with my community, that they all sort of arrived at a lot of the same conclusion that I did, which was it was still important to go. It was still important to to be there with each other, to be out in the hot sun, and to, you know, remember that we have come a long way and, and there is still reason to celebrate even in this time of grief. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, uh, we, as we look around the, I should say, the world, really, the world has reacted to this attack, um, which has is, is also been comforting in knowing that we are seeing, you know, this this outpouring of, of, of support from all over the world. And you've gone back to work and reporting on it. So tell us just how enormous the support has been around the world. Well, I first have to say that the support of my coworkers has been really important because uh, they were covering it live yesterday as the information came out, uh, and I was not in a place personally where I was ready to sort of steal myself and 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 jump in and, and do the hard work. So, then that has continued to be true today. You know, I it's a day later and I'm a day more healed, but it's certainly not enough. And uh, you know where I'm used to sort of claiming all of the LGBT content as my responsibility. Uh, today, I haven't had to, and that's okay. You know, it's been the team effort that has made sure that the good work is still done mm-hmm. uh, and, and that we we get that job done and, and all move forward together. So I have to start, you know, right in there listening to me as I say this too, so hopefully appreciating that. Um, but, you know, I think that there's that combination of, Yes, this was on our soil, but there are you know some international components of it as there seem to be some connections to uh, radical Islam, although that's still sort of tenuous. And so I think that a lot of people appreciate that this is a, a force that is violent and a threat to all of us uh, in the civilized world. And you know we know from the, the Paris attacks and the Brussels attacks that uh, none of us is immune, none of us is protected from this. And mm-hmm. This case, I feel, is also different, though, because it did specifically target the gay community. I think it's hard to couch it in any other terms. And even if there was some 
way of proving that there was absolutely just a coincidence that it was a gay club that was targeted, that we would still feel it that way anyway. And so I think that in particular, uh, those across the world that that recognize that sense of vulnerability, that sense of uh, a, a community specifically being terrorized, know that they, they need to stand up and they need to recognize that worldwide the queer community was attacked and we need to, to respond to that and be there for each other. Absolutely. One of the things that... Um you know, I'm continue. I, I I'm continuously hearing from LGBTQI leaders is reminding people, especially in the media, about how the narrative will be stolen from us in terms of what exactly happened, who did this, why he did it, what 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 the motive was, and blame it on the Muslim community, and that we had to remind people um, to to not let them hijack. You know, the the truth, the reality. I wanted to check in with you as a member of the media. I mean, I'm sure of it that that's already happening. I've been I've been so emotional that I haven't been able to check Fox News. Forgive me. Sure. Well, you know, <laughs> I actually I found that I never never blame you for not watching Fox <laughs> News. So, you know, that's just important self care. But uh, you know, I started my response by in raging on Twitter and quickly saw people already turning to that. Uh, and it's not just scapegoating Islam. It's not just this sort of idea that the extreme violent ideas of a group like ISIS define an entire religion for everybody. And it's not even just the erasure of peaceful Muslims, of LGBT-affirming Muslims, of LGBT Muslims. Um, it's this idea that there's something different about this radical Islamophobic homophobia or Islamic homophobia that somehow absolves them from any responsibility for any other form of homophobia. It's as if, you know, because ISIS is throwing people off buildings, then all of the different forms of stigma and discrimination that we continue to perpetuate here in the United States doesn't matter or just isn't as big a deal in comparison. Uh, and, you know, the argument that I've been making is, you know, we, we still have... Uh, what I have called it before a genocide against LGBT people. And it takes the form of stigma and harassment that makes life unlivable for people. You know, we've seen this particularly with the growing research on the trans community and the high rates of suicide and how that correlates with high rates of discrimination and poverty and homelessness and family rejection. And to me, it, it doesn't matter if a person is being thrown off a building or if they're throwing themselves in front of a tractor trailer, that stigma is to blame. And mm -hmm. I don't think anybody could ever convince me that the latter, that the, the suicides uh, and the just inability to, to live with the circumstances laid out for them um, isn't higher than what we've seen ISIS do with their sensationalized attacks. So it's, it's really unfortunate. Certainly Trump spoke to this in his speech this afternoon that it's an attempt to claim that everybody's just buddy-buddies with the LGBT community because, oh, it's no big deal if we want bakeries to discriminate against you, and it's no big deal if we want to force you to use a bathroom that doesn't match your gender identity because that's nothing. We, you know, we can just shrug that off, but we're not trying to kill you guys, so we're all going to get along. We're all going to weep together. We're, we're going to support you with our, our counselors and with our prayers, and we're all going to get through this together, and it's, mm -hmm. just, it's just nonsense. It's, it's even patronizing to think that these people that constantly bully us are, are going to play our friend just to, you know, somehow convince us that 
we should join their crusade against this other group of faith. Uh, it's it's ugly and it's disgusting, and it's it's already taken over the narrative. Absolutely, Michelle Miao. We're speaking with Zach Ford. He's the LGBT editor at Think Progress. Um, we're obviously focusing our entire conversation today on the attack that happened in Orlando. Um, you know, Zach, I, 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 uh, wow, I have a couple minutes before I have to go to break and then, and then I can come back and ask my big question. And that was, I was going to turn the attention to, to gun control. I mean, I, yeah, I think that the person, the general, I no, he's not a freaking gentleman. I'm trying, (laughs) um, the yeah, I think that uh, the 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 person who attacked those at Pulse um, was an American citizen. I should say I I know for a fact he was an American citizen citizen who had access to an assault rifle, right? Yeah, AR fifteen. Uh, and he legally purchased that. Do we know? Do you know or? He did. And so <laughs> I'm wondering, kind of that big conversation about gun control. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen conservatives uh, object to politicizing this incident and take umbrage at the idea, as they always do, as they did after Charleston, as they did after San Bernardino, after as they did after Sandy Hook, take umbrage to the idea that we would politicize this atrocity to you know try to attack people's constitutional rights to own a gun, uh, and it's just absurd. I mean. I am proudly doing so, and I am. I know of many other members of the LGBT community who are doing so, and who did before, to say, look, there's no reason why people should be able to buy assault rifles, and there's no reason right. why people should be able to buy, you know, high-capacity magazines for their assault rifles, or, you know, multitudes of ammunition to fuel those uh, those weapons, and. Republicans, with the money that they take from the NRA, continue to defeat all of the different kinds of restrictions that keep those weapons of mass destruction from getting into um, the hands of, of folks like this individual. So, you know, it's it's not politicizing it, and it's actually just looking at the problem and identifying a way to correct it. Thank you so much for, for saying that. We're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Zach Ford. Don't go away. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. 
Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. Our guest today on the phone is Zach Ford, who's the LGBTQ editor at Think Progress. Um, Zach, thanks again so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Of course. Um, you know, during this time of, of trauma and grief, it, it's it's easy for a lot of us within the community to, to shut down. And so I wanted to check in with you. And I know that I mentioned that there's been an outpouring of support from people around the world and our allies. I, I mean, in kind of covering LGBT history, this is something that we shouldn't just, you know, take for granted. It's not something that we can look and say, oh, you know, that's that's great. We have the support. This is historic, in my opinion. Uh, it is, and I think that reflects the, the progress that we've made, but this is an old story in a lot of ways, too. You know, I think what a lot of people are are realizing for the first time, or, or, or not realizing, as the case may be, is that nightclubs and bars are our sanctuaries. You know, uh, they have defined our, our movements, uh, social community, uh, since we were out to anybody. Uh, the Stonewall riots took place at a bar uh, where we were being harassed and, and just trying to, to be with one another. And, you know, the fact that people don't see that, people don't appreciate the sort of sacredness of this space um, is, is part of the problem uh, in, in the conversations that are, that are playing out since. Um, but I think that that's partly why so many people who are queer are responding um, with that because they appreciate exactly what kind of violation this was. Um, you know, uh, Owen Jones was, uh, he's a reporter for The Guardian, and was, uh, he walked off a TV interview yesterday mm-hmm. because the host was, you know, trying to say, oh, these were just human beings and, and just, uh, you know, people trying to have a good time, and it was no different than, you know, the Paris nightclub that, that was attacked. Uh, and that's just not true, right? Mm-hmm. This was a different space. And, and the example that he's been using, uh, that Jones has been using, has been, you know, if someone walked into a synagogue and murdered a bunch of Jewish people, there would be no one, you know, equivocating about whether or not this was an attack on Jewish people, whether or not this was anti-Semitic. Uh, and so we have to sort of recognize the, the sacredness of uh, of gay nightclubs in, in a very similar way and recognize uh, what what that violation was. You mentioned Trump uh, Trump a little earlier when I um, had talked about, you know, just the, the scapegoating that the right may try to use, uh, scapegoating of Islam or the Muslim community. And I, I want to focus a little bit. I want to ask a question about Donald Trump. And if you thought that um, 
you know, that the question of gun control, I mean, is there do you think that this will spark that conversation that we desperately need to have for reform? And do you think that the LGBTQI community can, again, be at the forefront uh, to fight for gun reform and, and put pressures on, you know, the Republican Party and those who support, you know, the right to bear arms at the at the cost of lives like someone like Donald Trump? Well, I think you're alluding to a disappointing reality, which is that unlike um, the political situation after Sandy Hook, which seemed ripe to accomplish those kinds of gun violence prevention measures, we're in an election year and we're in a situation where there's very, very little getting done in Congress um, or very little that the president would be willing to even sign. And so... I think that you're right that it it could become an election issue, and I think Mm -hmm. you're right that the LGBT community could very well uh, become more stalwart activists uh, on the issue of gun violence prevention in the future. But in terms of actual change, it's not going to happen before November, and it's certainly questionable you know, how things might change with all of the gerrymandering that's in place in terms of whether it could even happen under President Hillary Clinton, even with a Democratic-controlled Senate. So it's, you know, a very sad thing to ponder um, that, you know, this was the 14th or 15th time that President Obama has had to give one of those post-shooting speeches. It might not even be his last. And there's not really going to be anything to change the status quo um, towards keeping of the next president from having to give the same kinds of speeches. Mm-hmm. I got a couple questions for you before we let you go. I know you've got to get going to the next interview. There's a lot of those happening and uh, people reaching out to the LGBTQI community. How are you, you know, kind of, if, if you've thought about it, I certainly have in, in terms of like going about my day and, and, and kind of trying to either A, look for the support or B, um, to get to get better, you know, to feel better. Uh, will you be with community every day now for for a long time, or have you thought that far? Well, I'm quite lucky that I live in Washington D.C., which is a very gay city, and most of my circle social circles um, are with other gay people, and so I don't actually have to change much or make much effort aside from just not staying at home uh, to be around those people, but. That's not the, the same for everybody else. And what I've, what I've been trying to, to help people understand is that, you know, we need to hear from every single person that would think to reach out to us and say, you know, we love you, we have your support. Um, I, I sort of shared some thoughts about that earlier, and I heard from my freshman roommate in college, who wow. I'm sure I haven't talked to in... 10 years at least. Uh, he certainly wasn't even in my phone. I had to ask uh, who the number texting me was. But, uh, you know, I was like moved to tears for a few minutes um, that he thought to reach out, that he thought of me uh, in that moment and wanted to make sure that I, I knew he had, that I had his support. Um, and I, you know, we were victimized in such a way that we're not going to feel safe in the same way for some time. And Every single person that reaches out to us and says, we love you, we support you, we want you to feel safe, we will fight to make you feel safe, helps a little, but no number of those texts or calls or conversations or whatever is going to fully heal us. This is a scar that will 
will probably carry for some time and that we'll think back to the same way that people remember the attacks on Pearl Harbor or JFK's assassination or 9-11, um, but with a specific sort of uh, reasoning that it attacked the, the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Last question for you. Um, you know, my mom and my, my sisters definitely reached out to me and begged me to come home and just kind of, you know, don't don't do San Francisco Pride. It's coming up in, in a in a you know, a couple weeks or don't go to the gay bar is what my mom said to me and I was like, Too late. That was the first thing I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went out I went out to a gay bar. Um any uh, anybody reach out to you and, and voice those types of concerns and what are your thoughts about you know not going to the gay bar? I mean, I, I, I think that's foolhardy unless you have some reason to believe that there's actually you know a threat and I, I don't know of any, so I would discourage that kind of thinking. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who just want the best for us and they think that being around other people like us will remind us of the threat that we face and of the grief that we're experiencing. But uh, I've never had an experience of grief that wasn't best ameliorated by being around the people, sharing in that grief and the solidarity that you can build through that. So uh, I would say whatever your instinct is, follow it. This is an important time for for self-care and for asking for the shoulders to lean on that you're normally too confident to ask for uh, and to just do what it takes to to get through this. This is not something that we're going to heal from in a day. Uh, It's not something we're going to heal from in a year. And we have to recognize that and and take care of ourselves. Zach, thanks so much for dropping by. And like I said, I mean, it means so much to me and it felt good to to hear your voice. And so here in San Francisco, we're thinking of you in D.C. and, uh, and, and we love your work. So thank you for doing you. Thanks. Back at you, Michelle. It was great. Zach Forty is with Think Progress, so if you want to follow his work and support what they do, head to thinkprogress.org. Don't go away. When we return, we'll continue our conversation about Orlando. And uh, if you need to reach out to me, you'd like to talk to us about what you're going through, you can head to michellemeow.com and click Contact Us. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The spotlight on success and achievement goes to LGBTQI members of the Bay Area who have demonstrated an incredible amount of success. We're very proud to announce that this month's spotlight on success and achievement is Rick Welts. Well, it's been an unbelievable stretch of time, obviously. Uh, Everything the Warriors have gone through this season, really a magical season that ended in a championship. and now to, to top it off a week later with the opportunity to participate in the Pride Parade in San Francisco, it's a, it's a pretty wonderful time. You know, it's been a journey, right? We're all on our own personal journeys and uh, the last four years has been a remarkable part of my life, but it, it's definitely a part of my life. Uh, you know, the decisions I made four years ago to come out in the way that I did, obviously, you know, I had decided I was signing up for something going forward and being part of the discussion. Uh, and, you know, I welcome that. And this is, uh, you know, for me a real honor to, to be participating in this way. And I guess in, in some ways it, it will be a demonstration of how far professional sports has come in, in a very short period of time, uh, not as far as our society has come. So I think we have a lot to celebrate. 
Wow, I, I don't think I have any secrets. I don't think I'm that mysterious. You know, I've got a uh, pretty simple life. I like pretty simple things. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a great partner. His name's Todd Gage. Uh, he has two wonderful children, a 14-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy. I, I uh, got off the parade route, got into a car with them. We drove to Lake Tahoe and I got to watch 14-year-old girls play four soccer games over the course of the weekend and then drive back to the Bay Area. So that's my idea of an exciting weekend, you know, spending it with the kids and my partner and getting to do, you know, the most basic things that any family would get to do. Spotlight on success and achievement presented by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me here on the program on uh, this really sad day. Uh, not just day, moment. It's been sad for the last 24 hours. Our next guest is John Wright, who is a freelance writer, and he contributes to Lone Star Q, um, which I believe is a an LGBTQ publication or news source out in a, a, a state that I, yes, I like visiting Texas. <laughs> John, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, sad, sad day, sad, sad 24 hours. And so I'm checking in with other members of the LGBTQI community. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, how are you? I'm well. Uh, I was um, actually, for some strange reason, woke up in the middle of the night on Saturday at about, uh, I guess it was about 2 or 3 a.m. Texas time, um, of course, an hour later in Orlando, and uh, just, of course, what do we all do when we wake up in the middle of the night? We pick up our phone, right? Mm -hmm. And started, um, you know, flipping through social media and stuff and saw the initial reports um, so at, at that point, of course, I never went back to sleep after that um, until, you know, late last night. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just um, really interesting how, I mean, initially, you know, in the middle of the night, there was no report on the number of fatalities. They were saying there were injuries and there might be a few fatalities. And then it suddenly jumped to 20 at the first press conference, and then um, a couple hours later, of course, jumped to 50. So, I mean, I knew it was bad right away, obviously, and I was already uh, actually calling a few of my editors to try to wake them up um, <clears throat> so that we could get uh, some coverage up. But I didn't have any idea how, you know, I mean, how bad it was, it was mm -hmm. ultimately going to be. Um, so, anyhow, that's kind of my little personal yeah. account. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I mean, in, in terms of it just unfolding like a really bad nightmare, um, feels still feels like a nightmare. Uh, I wanted to, to check in. I know that a lot of people um, had attended visuals across the country. There have been, uh, you know, again, visuals, gatherings, uh, people getting together, a good amount in, uh, of support that we're seeing around the country. What about in Texas? Um, kind of, Did you attend a visual? Were things happening where you're at? Yeah, there have been, I did not go to any vigils, but there have been large vigils in all of the major cities and even in some smaller towns. I mean, of course, Dallas, Houston, Austin all had uh, large vigils, San Antonio, large vigils with, you know, um, thousands of people in some cases. Um, in Dallas, for example, they had a vigil and then they had a march down Cedar Springs, which is the gay strip. Um uh, to the what's called the Legacy of Love Monument, and I saw a bunch of photos and video from that. And it was pretty, um, 
pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but even places like, believe it or not, in towns like Waco, Texas, um, or Denton, Texas, these smaller communities that have, um, you know, very small LGBT communities, um, stage vigils, right. um, and had a, from what I understand, had a pretty good turnout. And obviously that included not only LGBT people, but a lot of, uh, straight allies. And then in, in, uh, at a couple of the events, there have also been, um, Muslims who've come out to, um, condemn the, uh, terror attack and to express, uh, solidarity with the LGBT community. So that's been uh, really interesting, too. I think uh, definitely in Dallas and Houston that, is, that has happened. Um, so that's, you know, that's very uh, encouraging, um, you know, silver lining, I guess, maybe, right. um, that we're starting to see here. Right. You know, as a member of the media, it, it's the, one of the hardest things um, uh, for a lot of us has been to, to stay objective in reporting what's happening, what's going on, because it feels so emotional to us. It's impacting our personal life. Right. Um, it, at the same time, it's uh, we are also having to add on to the conversation in terms of different narratives of not just like what happened, but you know, what can we learn from this? What needs to change? And so I wonder from your perspective and kind of covering this as it's been um, basically recognized as one of the worst mass shootings in the United States history and kind of like how that's impacted you as a journalist and, 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 and kind of, you know, also trying to combat those who are stealing the true and honest narrative of it, of the tragic events, for example, you know, scapegoating or using this as a, a way to, to advance their political agenda, <coughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and for me, you know, personally, it, it hit extra close to home because I, um, I went to school in Florida, I went to the University of Florida, and I lived, actually, my first job out of school was at a newspaper in Kissimmee, which is um, just south of Orlando, um, and so basically a suburb of Orlando. And so I felt a connection on that level, um, having you know lived in Florida for eight years. Um, but then beyond that, you know, to, to your second point there, um, just as an example, there was a guy uh, here in Dallas who is an ex-gay activist, um, and uh, claims that he, you know he's been cured of, of homosexuality. He sent me a, a message this morning just railing um, against um, the use of the rainbow flag in mourning the victims, which obviously the, you know, the rainbow pride colors have been mm-hmm. a prominent um, symbol of, of, you know, commemorating the, the, uh, the victims. And, and um, so that's, that's just one personal example of how anti-LGBT folks are, are trying to, um, you know, sort of hijack this in, into into their agenda, um, and you know, you mentioned Donald Trump, obviously, but uh, we're also seeing you know a lot of the Republicans now, um, you know, blaming not anti-LGBT uh, bigotry, but um, Islam and ISIS, and and kind of you know using it as a wedge to say this is why um, LGBT people should not. Um, uh, support uh, Muslims, 
um, and you know, trying to, to drive a wedge between uh, the LGBT community and and um, another minority, as has so often been their strategy over the years. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's really frustrating, and um, you know, just uh, you know, you almost feel helpless when it's, as you watch it happen because you can't you know how do you what do you do to to stop this, this, um, you know, them hijacking the message and turning it into, you know, something that it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a, a great question for the, you know, for our, um, our leaders to, to maybe try to answer in the coming days and weeks. Right. I, I you know, and forgive me for, for sounding ignorant. It's just that Texas has never, um, well, maybe maybe in the past has has been that uh, red state that has had many politicians <laughs> who have been anti-gay, right? And so I'm I'm just wondering, kind of, you know, I, I know that it was very very nice to hear that there had been visuals even from smaller communities there that supporting the LGBTQ community. But has you know, what about the uh, the politicians um, out in Texas? Have they been responsive to what's happened in Orlando at all? Um, well, you know, there was the big story about our lieutenant governor's tweet that went up uh, shortly after the shooting, um, which was a Bible verse that um, that many interpreted as a response to the shooting and a condemnation of LGBT people. It was a verse, uh, you reap what you sow. Um, you know, I remember the whole thing, but um, was whatever that, that biblical passage is. And so that made it, you know, that quickly became a national story because people were speculating that he um, did that in response to the Orlando shooting, but um, he claims it was a pre-scheduled tweet, and a review of his sort of Twitter history shows that he does tweet a Bible verse every Sunday morning um, at about the same time, and so I, I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mm. seriously doubt his his um, staff. As bad as he is on LGBT issues, I seriously doubt that his uh, Communications staff was up in the wee hours of Sunday morning um, building uh, memes to respond to the shooting. I also think he's more politically savvy than that. I, I, you know, again, as bad as he is, I don't think that he would blame the shoot the victims of a mass shooting for their own deaths. I, I just think that you know is something that politically, even though he may believe it personally. I, I seriously doubt that he would say it publicly, and so I give him the benefit of the doubt there. Beyond that sort of controversy and major story, um, the governor of Texas did you know lower the flags to uh, half staff, um, and he flew a Florida flag uh, outside, I believe, his man, the governor's mansion, um, and some LGBT people have you know, sort of um, question that because obviously the victims weren't targeted because they were Floridians. They were targeted because they were uh, LGBT or or perhaps specifically gay. Um, uh, beyond that, there hasn't been negative, you know, I haven't seen any you know, Republican lawmakers, for example, you know, uh, say anything really inappropriate. But for the most part, it's been, they have not specifically mentioned LGBT. They're not calling it a hate crime. They're merely saying our prayers, you know, are with the victims and their families, our condolences, those kind of general messages that have become so cliche and that, you know, people are starting to really question because, um, you know, mass shooting after mass shooting, you offer your prayers, but what 
what do you really do about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, on the issue of gun control, for example, um, Texas is very loose, like Florida has a very, very loose gun law. And um, a lot of people have, you know, for example, pointed out the hypocrisy of some of these politicians who are tweeting their prayers and condolences and yet are taking huge sums of money from the National Rifle mm-hmm. Association. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, you know, I mean, just it, it's kind of hollow just to go on social media and say, you know, our prayers are with the, the victims. Um, you know, we need, at this point, you know, I think uh, as the LGBT community and as a nation need need a lot more than that. Right. Thank you so, so much for pointing that out and and for saying that that uh, that's the kind of uh, statements we need to make in order to provide logic. If if logic's not there for those who try to defend, you know guns and things like that. Um, I got one last question for you, and and I've just been asking everyone, you know, my friends in the community, just kind of how um, they'll be coping with this tragedy. And and, and part of asking that is because I myself am struggling. Um, So if you've got ways and and, and some suggestions of of how to cope, uh, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think one thing is to... Can you know? Can just it sounds uh, almost silly, but can, you know, just continue living your lives openly and authentically, and don't let fear uh, conquer you. I mean, you know, we've got all these pride celebrations obviously going on this month, and I've heard a lot of people are, you know, I've seen some people say they're not, they don't plan to attend now, and they don't, they don't feel comfortable going out to the bar now, and I, I mean, I, you know, it's again a cliche, but if you, you know. If you do that, the, the terrorists win, right? Um, you can't, you know, going back to the 1980s, uh, any time in, in the early years of the LGBT movement, 70s, 80s, LGBT people faced a constant threat any time they ventured into um, public spaces uh, for any kind of group gathering or advocacy or anything. I mean, and this is something that, you know, uh, the people who've been in the movement for a long time just grew accustomed to. And um, the only way to, that we've conquered that over the years is to just um, not let it get to us. Uh, because every time, you know, we go out there, even, you know, staging these vigils or what have you, we, you know, diminish um, that fear. We diminish that threat. Um, and, so now we've gotten to the point where this is an anomaly, right? And people are so shocked that something like this could happen. Um, and it is. I mean, it is an anomaly. And it's, it, the reason it's an anomaly is because 30 years ago, you know, LGBT people were brave enough to, to go out there when the threat was, was um, honestly much more realistic. Um, you know, these days, you know, you go to the gay bar, you don't, you don't think about that, but back then, you know, they did and they had to. And so it's just interesting sort of the way that the shooting has kind of brought back, um, you know, the, the fear that, that people dealt with 30 years ago, but just like it was then, the only way to, to conquer it now is, um, is to simply, you know, continue being out and proud in the face of it. 
Thank you so much for that reminder and those beautiful words. John, thanks so much for joining us here on the program. Take care of yourself. And, and just very quickly, I know that we can uh, check out your work on Lone Star. Do you write for anyone else? Yeah, I write for the Texas Observer, which is a statewide uh, news magazine. And I write for the New Civil Rights Movement, which is the National LGBT blog, and Toll Road, which is the National LGBT blog. And I also write for Outsmart Magazine, which is Houston main LGBT publication. So those four, in addition to Lone Star Q. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, come back on the program anytime. I will. Thanks for having me. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. We'll close out with some final thoughts. Um, probably just talking to everyone who's tuning in to Progressive Voices as if it's like a diary. I desperately need community right now, need the support. So don't go away. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Sines, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale.com. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me here today. It's been a difficult day. Um, Not just, you know, the LGBTQI community, but I think for all Americans who believe in democracy, uh, all of our allies who support the community, all the families, you know, who don't believe in in this type of violent uh, attacks, it, it is damaging. It's been extremely, extremely hard. I have my nephew here who produces the program. Um, did you hear it? The news in the news out in Stockton. Um, I 
I was notified through Twitter, actually. Yeah. That would be a millennial experience. Yeah, it's a harsh. What What was the tweet? Um, it's just like notifications that said that there through, was an attack. Yeah, in Orlando, and I was just disgusted. So, um, yeah. So you know, you've got a, a queer aunt. You've got a, a gay uncle. Um, I mean, uh, who knows who yeah. else is gay in our family i think there's a lot more (laughs) you know my my sister my brother uh so how did that make you feel i mean you know did it did it feel like it was close to home um yeah i it's just to me it's just not right i mean everyone should live their own life the way they want to live you know you can't hate on other people for what they believe in and all that right yeah I want to I want to uh, you know chat with you because I think that um, it was an attack on the gay community for sure. I mean, the person uh, had hatred towards gay people and had entered a, a gay establishment, a gay bar. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the problem, in my mind, is the easy access to guns. The 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 the, the gun that was used was uh, <laughs> it's like a wartime gun. Like this thing can kill. Well, it did kill. It killed over 50 people, a third of the participants in the bar. There was, you mm-hmm. know, 300 people there in minutes. I mean, should anybody have access to a weapon like that? Um, not even. Like, it's that's really a high-power weapon. It's mainly used for war, and it, I don't see why it, it's a good reason to have that, like, roaming in, you know, this country, like, freely. It, it's not that that person smart. had the the. I mean, and I'm talking to you about this because I you are the future. I mean, you, your generation, um, you're the future. As am I. But this is why it's so important to to for you to know this yeah. very early on as you become much more aware and engage in your civic duty to vote. That that the law needs to change. That person walked into wherever he did and he purchased that weapon legally yeah Yeah. like if you have kids in the future would you want your five-year-old daughter around a weapon like that absolutely not (laughs) what would you you mean if you got a burglar burglar burglarizing your home do you need a weapon like that not necessarily i mean no, the yeah. answer is no. Yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> I think that you could use a bat to scare people away. I'll tell you a story. You were just a kid. I think you were a baby, but there was um, your mom and your dad were babysitting my sister and I. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we used to spend summer summers with your mom and dad. Yeah. They were just dating. They were, like, young, yeah. really young uh, in college. And uh, we used to stay up late all the time and mm-hmm. play cards or like whatever and watch movies. And um, we heard like some noise coming out from the garage. And we noticed that there were a few gentlemen who were trying to break into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so some burglars. I shouldn't say gentlemen. I keep calling <laughs> strangers. They're not gentlemen. They're criminals. <laughs> and so your dad like, you know, we just like turned off all the lights so they couldn't see us or, you know, because we were like really scared. And he ran off and he got his BB gun. <laughs> and and then, um, you know, uh, your your other aunt, her boyfriend came with, and I remember it. I saw it. That yeah. was the first time I saw a real powerful gun and that was a machine gun. Oh, man. 
And I remember being really scared of the uncle with the machine gun. And I only wanted to stay with your mom and your dad, who's Mm -hmm. now your dad, with a BB gun. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't end up having to use the guns because somebody called the police, which is what you should do in a situation in which somebody's (laughs) committing a crime. Of course. But imagine if that machine gun, uh, you know, had been used and Mm -hmm. how many kids were in the house. There was myself... My sister, um, you know, other, you know, you know, there were lots of babies, as you can only imagine, yeah. our family, right? Yeah, I, I would have been terrified. So your dad did the right, I'm just, I'm painting this story for you because you need to know how important it is that your dad did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, a BB gun would buy him a few minutes and seconds, or, you know, I'm sure of, to, to run away, get his family away, whatever he needed to do to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. We don't need those assault rifles. No, we don't. Those need to go. Those are what those those are the things that are killing people um, today, and that's that's what I want to say to the guy who sold that dude the assault rifle that killed over fifty people in the bar in Orlando. Um, I'm sure of it that you were like, "Great, I'm making you know this amount of money. I don't know how much these things cost." <laughs> If it were me, I would be like, what the F is this dude going to do with this gun? And why that wasn't even questioned, that's crazy to me. (laughs) Right? If somebody came to you and said, hey, look, look at my new gun, wouldn't you be like, okay, there's something wrong with you? Yeah. It's nothing cool to, you know, show off or... That's not American. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... You know, I mean, I would be like, that's not, I mean, I would, I would, I would personally feel like, okay, I think something's wrong here. I think, I think I, 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 I don't feel safe around you. That's, that's kind of how I would naturally feel. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to articulate. So, um, you know, and, and the other, the other side of that coin is the sheer hatred. Mm-hmm. It is very, it's very true. And it's still ingrained in our country that, People perpetuate hate. That is why it's so important to talk to you about this. Because the hate doesn't only exist as far as like racism goes. Mm-hmm. Hate also exists as homophobia, transphobia. People hate women. People hate men. People, you know, that's yeah. misogyny or misandry. <laughs> don't perpetuate the hate. And you have to vote for politicians that don't do that. Mm-hmm. So where am I getting at? Who's a hateful politician right now who's running for president? Donald Trump. Exactly. <laughs> Who won't you vote for? I know that I said all I want you to do is to register to vote. Yeah. And I think that you have. I did. And I said I don't care who you vote for, just just do that just to get you into, you know, contributing to the to your community. But 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 this is so important I have to tell you. Do you know? Yeah. So you know not to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) I never crossed my mind to vote for him. He had so many, like, like, what do you call it? He said so many bad things. Like, it's not making him look so good. No. Uh, Well, I think that he's truly a hateful person. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, he's just trying to be more powerful, and that's not the president way. No, that's not presidential. You're right. Hate and guns kill people. Yeah. (laughs) Hate and guns ruin lives. 
And it's not necessary. That's not American. Like I said, the attack yesterday in Orlando is an attack on American democracy. Uh, I am reeling and and, and just um, full of complete sadness. And and I'm saying it for the first time here in this program. I'm not Superwoman. And I... I'm just breaking down every like other minute. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, this is an, it's, it's a, it's an impact on our community for sure. And it's going to go down in history as one of the deadliest attacks, not just on in U S history, but the, one of the deadliest in gay history. And at 34 years old, um, I have experienced this. That means that in the future, when I have kids, I'll have to explain to my child why it happened. I will have to go in gay history and 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 not be able to forget that this happened. If you need someone to talk to, please head to our website at michellemiao.com. I've posted all of the most recent television episodes up, by the way, and I'm about to post uh, one that we did first San Francisco Pride that touches on the theme this year, and that's for racial and economic justice. Um, there's also the documentary features and highlights the work of grand marshals who are doing work within the most marginalized of our communities, like Janetta Johnson, who's the executive director of the Transgender Gender Variant Intersex Justice Project, uh, the only resource organization that I know of that gives uh, provides resources to uh, trans women of color who've been incarcerated in trying to keep them out of the system. And so it's like, narratives like this it's like stories like this that we need to be mindful of and that is that there's so many of us in this community who are doing good work um i the way i look at it why would i spend money and contribute to private organizations or companies that tries to keep people in jail because it makes them money versus giving money to a nonprofit organization like tgijp that wants to keep people out of jail and give them a second chance in life or a third chance in life or find resources for them to empower their lives so that they're not making bad decisions. So you catch my drift? Too much hate, access to guns, poor politicians, bad legislators. That's what we need to change. The word reform to me in my eyes is not just gun reform, but it's reform as far as like how we think, how we operate, how we conduct ourselves, how businesses conduct themselves. Where Where is the money going? Why is there such a big top versus the bottom? Why are we living in such inequality? Well, hate and then access to guns are killing us. Thank you so much for joining us here on this program. Head to michellemeow.com for everything. You can go to commonwealthclub.org, by the way, for information and podcasts that I do with John Zipper. Don't forget, his show is on this Friday, and he does the week-to-week roundtable political talk that airs 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And I will see you, or you'll hear from me tomorrow morning. Well, I should say afternoon, 4 o'clock, and John will be with us because it's Tuesday. Try to have a good evening. 